Well, good morning, faith family. Morning. morning. I'm going to take a moment just to look at you. Is that okay? That kind of reminds me that as I preach, I'm just having a lot of one-on-one conversations. That's kind of my view of it. Helps me be a little less nervous as well. (laughs) And hopefully you want me to preach to you as if you're here, right? (laughs) Well, it's good to see you. I love you. Our leadership loves you. God loves you. I hope you can feel that this morning as the Spirit resides here, as He inhabits our praises with His presence. It's fun to be a part of something that you just sense God directing. (laughs) And today we're going to be looking at what God has been directing throughout all time. We went through the Gospel of Luke from Easter till the end of summer to see what Jesus was kicking off. (laughs) He launched a ministry. And we looked at last week that that ministry's continued. He hasn't skipped a beat. Actually, it's really taken off when you consider what's happened around the globe. Was the real ministry when it was him and 12 disciples? What about now? (laughs) It's awesome. It's awesome what God is doing and continuing. And today we're looking at a very simple message, which is that when God says go, we should go. Especially if these are his last words he spoke on his earthly ministry. Especially this is the only imperative he gives in that last address. Especially when it's simply one word of go. We love to complicate things. And there's, there's natural questions with this of both the mind and the heart that we'll address. But I want to tell you a story. So let's go to this stoplight idea, okay? A lot of us tend to go on reds and stop on greens, all right? Now, usually we see people going on reds. Rarely do you see someone stopped on a green, okay? That's the case. Law enforcement usually is pretty quick to pick up on that. Right? Say, sir, is there a reason you're stopped at this green light? I mean, there's questions in law enforcement that go through your mind at that point that they need to vet out. (laughs) But if the person just says, I'm kind of going at my own pace today, officer. Okay, well, you can pick up your pace and follow me, right? (laughs) And so... Here's, here's the story in the illustration, and I'm borrowing this from Chuck Swindoll, all right? He's a great storyteller, but I don't mind copping a wheel if it's God's wheel, all right? So the story is, imagine a restaurant chain. Starts off the first one, right? And then they realize, this is helping people, right? Mission statement, let's make the best burger the, wor- in the world's ever seen, okay? That is helping people. And so then they start another one and another one. And pretty soon the manager tells his team, all right, guys, I got to head out because we're continuing this franchise. Keep the ball rolling here. 
Okay? You've been watching the master chef make master burgers. I'm going to head out. Keep it going. I'm going to send you some text messages and some emails to keep you on track. So I'm not unavailable here. Okay? He comes back. Doors are locked. What's going on there? So he uses his key to open up the doors. And the staff are there. And they're playing poker at the tables. And they got beers in the fridge and music playing. And he goes, uh, fellas, what, what's going on? Okay. Why are you stopped at a green light? What's going on? And he's welcomed warmly. We've been waiting for you to come back. Guys, this is awesome. Haven't we been waiting for him to return? This is great. This is great. Our problems are solved. The roof's been leaking. It's been getting pretty bad in here. We're glad you're back. And he says, well, I, I have some questions, okay? Did you get my messages that I sent? I texted you. Sometimes even daily to keep you reminded of some things. Did you get my messages? They say, yeah, you're a good writer. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, well, was I not clear? Was I not clear in my messages? Like, oh, no, we made sure of that. We, had, we even studied. We, we took 15 minutes at the start of every day to study that text message you sent in in the morning. We, we got, we, I think... I mean, no, if I think I got it more clear than everybody else. Peter doesn't think so, but I, I got it. I got it. Um, but we're working on him. We're working on him. Pretty soon he'll see it the same way I, as clearly as I see it. So, okay. Um, well, did you, did you forget? Once you had the clarity, did you forget what I said? I said, no, no. I, actually, one of the guys, he started memorizing your text every morning. And as we'd play poker, he'd recite it to us. We'd work on it, work on it. Clearly, there's a disconnect, right? Clearly a disconnect. He goes, guys, I, I think you forgot what our mission was, to make the best burger in the world. And they go, no, we painted it on the wall. That's our theme. That's our mission statement. We argued about what color, but... You see where I'm going with that? There was a disconnect, right? The one thing, the one thing that he cared about was not being done. The stats in America aren't good. There's been an inward focus due to a consumer culture. Only 3% of churches have grown consistently three years in a row. The average is a 10 to 15% decline of membership. That's called not going on a green light. In other parts of the world, they're figuring this out. They're going. And so we're going to look at that today. We're going to look at some of these things of, uh, it, I, I know I make it sound simplistic, okay? 
it's also hard, okay? Sometimes it's hard to do simple things. Only one-third of Americans attend church regularly. Another one-third go on and off, and another third don't go. It's just like eating right. Only one-third of Americans eat right and are of a healthy weight. One-third are overweight, one-third are... Is it, is it complicated to eat right? There's lots of places over the world that don't have the resources we do that eat pretty well, stay pretty healthy. What's the difference? The difference is that there are so many opportunities in our consumer culture that it's killing us. And I get it. Those opportunities are difficult to navigate when you can go anywhere and buy anything. So I just want you to think about your calendar, okay, that you have at home. When we talk about red lights, green lights, what it, I think a lot of it comes down to is the pen that God has put in your hand for your authority and your responsibility. So you put that on your calendar. I want you to be thinking this. Red lights, green lights. All right? And that is not easy to do. I wish some of the, the families in this church that have been living simply and beautifully, I wish they could just do a calendar class for us. And I know the speed of my life has picked up to step into a, the role of a lead pastor as well as a parent of a two-year-old, all right? It gets to be pretty tough. This last week I asked myself, have I said no to anything this week? That is abdicating the authority and responsibility of the pen God has given to me and giving it to anybody and everybody else. You see where I'm going? So, let's get into the scripture because this is what, the scripture is what's got to cling to you, all right, when you leave this place. Otherwise, good pep talk, Rob, okay? So, Time to dig in. Matthew 28. The entire gospel ends with a message from Jesus. And prior to this message, it says in 28.16 that the 11 disciples left for Galilee going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Why did they go to Galilee? Where did Jesus tell them to do that? Well, when Jesus rose from the dead... He appeared to the women and he told the women, hey, tell the rest of the gang to meet me at Galilee. Tell them to go there. And there, they had a pen in their hand. They could have said, I have to go to the dentist that day, Jesus. Well, thankfully, all 11 opened up their schedule to go to Galilee, as Jesus said. And I tell you, when you do what God tells you to do, when you go when Jesus tells you to go, good things happen. When we look in Scripture, Abraham was told to go to a new land, and he became the, uh, 
received the promise of being a nation and a blessing, that through him a blessing would come to bless the world. He went. Scripture says, by faith, he went and he, he left what was comfortable. I'm sure he had questions, right? All of them. Why? Where? When? What? How? Right? Mental questions. Also questions of the heart. God, are you going to take care of me? God, is this going to be a waste of time? God, what about, how, how do I piece this together, okay? Where's the practical stuff going to come from? What does this actually look like? But they go, and good things happen when they go. Moses, we looked at that last fall. Again and again, God told Moses, go. Go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Go back to Pharaoh. And Moses went. Because he went, the strong hand of God released a dying and oppressed people from oppression, from a cruel master's hand. Jonah went, not right away. He was kind of a yellow light. God told Jonah, go to Nineveh and tell them to repent. And he went the opposite way. He gunned it in reverse. <laughs> All right. Well, guess what? He crashed when he gunned it in reverse. <laughs> Big storm came. He was thrown overboard out of the ship, swallowed by a whale, and he got the message. You know, maybe safety, this, Dr. Livingston said this when he was traveling through the, the rivers in the Congo, in Africa, about his safety. Dr. Livingston, do you feel safe out there? He said, when I'm in the middle of God's will, I'm in the safest place I can be. It's the so those that are stopped at green lights, that's what I'm worried about, all right? Or running red lights, that's where it's not very safe. I'll take my chances in the hand, in the big hand, of a loving God. Jesus, he went when he was told to go. We claim to be his disciples, to want to be like the teacher. Well, listen up. We'll show you what that looks like. The next verse here in 17 says that they saw him there. That's one of the benefits of going when you're called to go. God's Spirit's out there working. Dad's out in the field bringing in the harvest. One of the benefits of going when you're called to go is that you'll see him there. You'll see him there. Because you're in fellowship and in step with God's Spirit. I think that's, in my opinion, the greatest reward in following God. Because you can be a little 
a little closer in the walk. As he puts his foot, you put your foot. That's called walking hand in hand with our creator. And I don't know anything more satisfying than that. Fellowship, okay, with Jesus isn't just prayer, Bible study. My baby cries and interrupts my quiet time because she needs a diaper change. I go change the diaper because I believe that is what God would call me to do. And so in that, I continue fellowshipping with Jesus as I wash the dishes, as I go to work, as I renew my car insurance, (laughs) okay? It's not very glamorous all the time. And yet this vision of America, of the grandiose, I think often keeps us from understanding what going really means. This last part, it says, some of them doubted. I call that a yellow light, right? They're not opposed to it. They're hearing this word go, and yet I think there's reasonable objections that come in. What's this mean? What am I supposed to do? Am I ready for that? I mean, from here I said, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior, but what about the rest of me? Sometimes that takes a little time to sink in. We'll look at the, the end of the scriptures we'll look at today. Jesus ascends. And supernaturally, two angels ask the disciples, why are you standing and staring there? I love that. They're just sitting there in a yellow light. They're acting like it's a red light. <laughs> and they get nudged supernaturally. Why are you just standing there? What are you looking at? <laughs> you got a green light, faith family. Let's get to the meat of this. Verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples. So he finally speaks up here to them. And he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And the start of the next verse says, Therefore go. What I want to point out here is that therefore. What is that linked to? Well, it's linked to what he just said. So in answering our first when, what, where, why, how questions, okay, we're going to go through them all. The why question is maybe the first one. If someone randomly says to me, hey, Rob, go, uh, go step five feet that way. Right. Well, who are you to tell me what to do, right? There's a bit of a bristle for that. Why do you get to tell me that? He says, well... I have conquered death. I have conquered sin. I can never die. With me holds the keys of eternal life. I am the creator of the universe, the sustainer of the universe. In you holds every breath you take belongs to me. That's, that's a pretty good, pretty good answer. <laughs> and I think he knows that that's going to be their first objection. And so he just goes right to the punch. This doesn't just mean he has the power and therefore he'll give you the power to do it. That's part of all this. We'll look at that next week in the power of the Holy Spirit. But here it uses the word authority. 
meaning a claim and a right, a reign, a dominion. He beats him right to that objection and says, I have the authority. Therefore, therefore, whatever I'm about to say, logically, don't bring up the why question, okay? You can ask how, when, what, where. But we took that why question off the table, all right? You want to try and exist apart from your reason for existing? It's not going to go very well. And so he says, therefore, go. And that's the start of what we call the Great Commission. Therefore, go. And unfortunately, there's been books written calling it the Great Omission. And that the church does not take this up. So let's look at what this means. We're going to answer some more of those questions. But if you're tracking with me, okay, resolve in your heart. If you've resolved it, if you've taken the why question off the table, say amen with me. Amen. All right, so why questions off the table. Now, there's some other logical ones here, right? Which is what? Go, if someone just tells you, hey, go. Like, I've done this with my nephews. They'll be like, you want to race? Like, yeah. Like, okay, go. And it's, well, what are, what are we racing to? <laughs> How, how do I know if I win? Are we going? So just whichever way one person runs, you follow. And I mean, that's pretty much how Hosanna plays tag. Just running in circles, giggling. There's, there's not a lot of direction there. Um, so a good question is kind of, well, what? Okay, go and do what? And this passage has only one imperative, only one command that summarizes the rest. The word go is a participle linked to this word, make disciples. That's the meat of the verb. Go and make disciples. Now these men already were disciples. They've walked with Jesus life to life, seeing his doings and teachings. In that order, by the way, they saw what he did, and then Jesus explained it. And so he said, well, go do the same. Show people how to be like you as you have become like me. Go and make disciples. So that's the what. Now follow the what. Gives the where. They're like, okay, we're sitting in Galilee. Should we start right here? He goes, to all nations. That's a big job. Okay. Not one of us is going to fulfill that. But we each have our part to play. God created each person here to be alive in 2023 in Hampton, Iowa to be part of this wave of what he is doing. Specifically, your opportunity and I think the last hundred years has been the most exciting time to be chosen to be alive. This century is the population boom of human history. 
world population was about a half a billion. Quarter billion to half a billion forever, basically. <laughs> I mean, it started with Adam and Eve, but that's what's been sustained. And then in the last 1800s, it spiked to one or two billion. By the end of the century, we should be at 10 billion. So on the graph, this is the boom. And we're living in it. There's more people alive on the earth by the end of the century than existed between Jesus and, and now. This is the boom. <laughs> and we're part of it. And we're planting seeds in this thing. And they predict it'll level off at around 10 billion. This is the boom. And we get to be part of it. I'm getting distracted. Back to the scripture. So, that's the where to the ends of the earth. Now, this is, this is a real key one. Well, how? How do I do this? Well, I underline two items here. These are the two part of epistles that are modifying this. First, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptizing means that they are publicly testifying that inwardly they have been connected to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And also, you can't be baptized by yourself. Okay? I've jumped in a pool by myself. That was not a baptism. Okay? You have to be baptized into a community. So that's how we do it. And we're going to witness one. Well, actually, the last five weeks, we've done baptisms every Sunday. And I hope you're not getting sick of it. I just love it. I think this thing is a fun way to end the sermon. After I've gotten done chatting, it's ready to see a real-life example, right? So we'll see another one of those today. The second thing is to be teaching them. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. All the commands. Which includes going full circle to the very top of this passage. One of those commands... His last one is what? Go. Goes full circle. Okay? There's going, there's connecting through baptism, and there's growing in God's word. These are key, key ingredients. Later on, we're going to be doing a DNA of a disciple. These are key ingredients that we're to be about. So that's how we're supposed to baptize, teach, make new disciples. The method can change and how, but it's got to contain those ingredients. A balanced diet needs to have those parts. And after service today, okay, if you think about fruit, meat, and grains, or however you want to think of a balanced diet, okay, one of those is going. And our church has eight serving teams, you just saw them, that represent eight going teams, okay? And we think from Scripture, it's a healthy diet, no matter what stage you are in your Christian life, to be part of one of those serving teams, to be going. Here's another question, is with who? Well, it's within the church. We see that pattern in Acts. We don't have any dictators. We have some directors, some pastors, some deacons, 
all of which I can vouch for, work as a team. And part of your participation is not just, all right, tell me what to do. Part of your participation with the unique insights you have and perceptions, creativity, to say, hey, let's discern together what the Holy Spirit is moving and where we can go. Even in my preaching, I lean on some godly men in our church as a team to say, help me discern God's spirit for our church here, okay? So, it's through that community. That's the who. And at the end here it says, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's empowered through the Holy Spirit. That's the most important teammate, isn't it? Jesus has continued to do this. And when, well, he tells these guys, wait 40 days for the Holy Spirit. Gear up. Rest up. Settle all your objections up front here. Let this sink in because it's about to be go time. So he does give them a time of preparation and tells them when. So, Let's look at some of these um, objections. I think there was cringing, confusion, complaining. This is going to be uncomfortable. A lot of us, when we hear the word go, we think, I'm already doing go, 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 all right? I don't need another thing. That's where you've got to take your pen and not add another thing. But if you slant that way and then that way, you can make some space. And it's scary. There's all sorts of thoughts and feelings. We're going to transition soon. Not yet, but we're going to hear from Faith Grover, 19-year-old, who's outgoing. And you're going to hear from her fresh emotion of what this looks like. And you think of the disciples. I mean, those were Jesus' last words. They are probably still like, What's next? They got the next step. Wait 40 days. Next step. Next step. You don't usually see it all at once. There's some faith required to take those little steps going forward. But I think the disciples felt all the same stuff. So, back in Acts. Acts 1, 9. Jesus says goodbye. He's taken up into a cloud while they're watching, and they could no longer see him. They strained to see him rising into heaven. And then two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. And I alluded to this earlier. We'll go to this verse next. Men of Galilee, he said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? There's two phrases I want to ring in your mind this week. This one, why are you standing and staring? I want you to think about that. Any part of your life, are you doing that? And the last one, I want you to think about that rings. I want it to bug you. Is therefore go. All right? These aren't Rob's words. This is right from Scripture. You've got to figure out what it means. You've got to figure out what it means. And then he says, someday... He will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Sometime the owner of the burger shop is coming back 
And that is our motivation to get to work. All right? That is our motivation to get to work. There's a story of two sons that get told to go, that Jesus told in a parable. One said, oh, you got it, Dad. You got it. Didn't go. The other one, he put his objections up front, but then he worked through them. And at the end of the day, he went. Jesus said, which one obeyed? Which one followed me? The one that went. We want to be faith family, the church that went. So, I'm going to give you five reasons here. Quick recap. Why do we go? One, because he told us to. Two, because we care about the eternal destiny of other people spending eternity in damnation and hell. We care about that. Three, because Jesus went when he was told to go. For God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son. And he went. And we want to be like him. Four, this is what Jesus is continuing to do. He never stopped. There was never, there was never the title, there was never the end on any of the Gospels. Rather, it shows the pattern in Acts and then 22 letters explaining very specifically, hey, churches, go do it, do it this way. This is how it all fits together. It's tough to fit it together. How's dirty diapers and car insurance and missions? How's that all fit together, all right? And a job and I get hungry and I need a haircut. How, how's this all fit together? The New Testament addresses family life, work life, Political life, it addresses all of it. And it's beautiful. And it's best when you can just see it lived out. Just like people saw Jesus. You know when you see it. Not just when you hear the talk, but when you see the walk walked. And fifth one reason to go, there's a sweet fellowship when you obey Jesus. It is sweeter than 24-7 prayer when you obey Jesus. It's sweeter than just memorizing what he said. You are hand in hand with the creator of the universe. And if you're not doing that, what are you doing? I say that lovingly. I say it towards myself. If we're not doing that, faith family, what are we doing? So our last slide here. Therefore, go. If the gospel of Jesus Christ meant something to you, therefore, go. If the people around you matter to you, Therefore, go. If fellowshipping with Jesus matters to you, therefore, go. Our image of Christian maturity is one that goes. And that gets a little messy sometimes and a little uncomfortable. That is right where the Holy Spirit is at work. We're going to do a baptism later on of Three kids that are around 9 to 10, 9 to 12 years old. And when I was 10 years old, I had a Sunday school teacher 
His name was Dr. Ivance, so the same age these kids were. And Dr. Ivance was a retired doctor who was also the missions pastor at our church. And he invested in me when I was in fourth grade. His funeral is this afternoon up in St. Paul. I'm not going to be able to get to it. He's 79 years old. Dr. Ivance was on staff with my dad when my dad was a pastor for a dozen years. His salary from the church was $1 a year. And the staff would joke, who got to take him out for that cup of coffee? He wanted to go. He, was, he went to Ukraine and other parts of the world. He gave generously. But not just in the grandiose. He hung out with a 10-year-old. I don't remember what our Sunday school lessons were. But I remember Dr. Ivan's. He's another one of those examples that showed me. This is how it beautifully looks. Those are shoulders I stand on. We all stand here because someone went, right? Someone was told go and they did it. It might be our parents or grandparents or pastors or friends. None of us stand here without being on a large group of shoulders. I know there's Dr. I advances in this room. I aspire to be that someday. We all have our different way of doing it. During the ministry fair, you can walk around and pray as you do. So, God, here's eight ways our church is serving. How can I be a part of that? And if you think to yourself, eh, I don't see a good fit. I think I'm wired more this way. You can still bring that to the table. Just because we don't have a program that fits your passion and gifting doesn't mean you're not responsible to bring it. 